Welcome to another Art of Relationships podcast. We are grateful for listeners like you. Let's get right into it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Art of Relations podcast. I'm Elisa Grace, and I'm joined by my handsome husband, Dr. Chris Grace. And it's brought to you by the Center for Marriage and Relationships at Biola University. So, Chris, the last couple of podcasts, we've been delving a little bit deeper into emotions. So we talked about emotions 2.0, about getting those those deeper, uh, being able to label deeper emotions. And then we talked about setting emotional boundaries in our relationships, whether it's friendships or dating or even with coworkers. So today we wanted to take a little bit uh, deeper look at what do we mean when we talk about emotional intimacy? What does it mean when we talk about creating um, an environment or a climate in our relationship Mm. of emotional safety? Mm. Because that's really foundational to having a healthy relationship is to be able to feel safe and feel connected and intimate with another person. Man, yeah. Man, what a big topic, right? Emotionally uh, intimate with somebody else, that idea of, of feeling safe or emotionally intimately. So, I, I, you know, you could think about this and just answer this question. When do you feel emotionally close to somebody else? Or you could put it this way, make it personal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so for listeners out there that want to talk, think about emotional intimacy, you've joined in this podcast when do you feel emotionally close? And, and and you could say this, I feel emotionally close to another person when they what? When they love and accept me unconditionally, when they practice healthy communication, when they validate my feelings. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. If they're curious mm-hmm. about me. If they're open and they share vulnerably with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they give me, you know, I don't know, positive affirmation, like, oh, that's a good point. Good thought. Or I, I think one of the big ones, if you have fun and laugh together, right? I thought when you said, I thought you were about to say when they give me cookies. Remember <laughs> yeah. that, that YouTube video of that little kid that's just like uh, talking to his mom. I, I love you, mommy, but I don't like you when you don't give me cookies. Yeah. <laughs> you like don't it. give me cookies. So sometimes when when I say something a little snarky to Chris, he looks at me and goes, Luis, you don't give me cookies. Yeah, (laughs) it's a great little clip of a boy. That that is really funny. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you start to talk about what does it mean to be emotionally intimate or safe with somebody else, it it really is on the positive side. How do I cultivate this and and make it something really fun and interesting? And, you know, um, we know what relationships do, right? They're very strong predictors of our happiness. You know, mm-hmm. David Myers is a great psychologist out there. He's written an introductory psychology book that's the number one book in the entire world, in the world of psychology anyway. It's adopted at every university I've ever been to, Mm -hmm. from Berkeley and Yale, wherever you go, man, they're using Myers Psych. Every bit. Yeah, and and he's really good at the research in different areas, but one isn't happiness and and, and friendships. And he says there are few stronger predictions of happiness than a close, nurturing, equitable, uh, intimate, lifelong companionship with mm. one's best friend, you know? Oh. And, and, and so it's, it's when, how can, so emotional intimacy, don't get the wrong idea that this is only in a marriage or this is mm-hmm. only, you know, in, in a dating relationship or, or, you know, if you're engaged or whatever, emotional intimacy is something that we can share even with the best friend. Mm-hmm. Your and, roommates. Your roommate. Yeah. And how do we do that? How do we do it well? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, in marriage, of course, it's extremely important. And people who say that their marriage is satisfying and emotionally intimate, that is, they find their marriage, uh, you know, and they're still in love with their partner. Mm-hmm. It's, it's satisfying emotionally intimate. They rarely report being unhappy or disconnected or depressed. So it's the same idea, whether it's a friendship or marriage or a dating thing. So at least there's emotional intimacy out there. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of points that we probably ought to talk about. So how do we find and def- and have relationships that are at that level, something that are important to us, mm-hmm. emotionally intimate and, you know, mm-hmm. safe. Well, I think the first thing we've got to do uh, to unpack it is to is to maybe really define it. Okay. And so this researcher, Burby, re- defines relationship safety or emotional safety. Yeah. He says that it's the confidence that one can be emotionally vulnerable mm-hmm. and still find acceptance, understanding and support. Oh, yeah, that's really good. I can be vulnerable. I could tell you this is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and 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 it's, you know, even being vulnerable, imagine that, Lisa, with your kids. It's hard to be, but you could set an yeah. emotionally safe environment. If you could be vulnerable with your kids and, and say, man, you know what? I messed up to, to recognize mm. I did something wrong and I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. I, you know, I messed up. And, and I think that kind of vulnerability is not weak, it's strong, mm-hmm. but it sets a great healthy relationship that has this interaction safety as well. Yeah, I So love apologizing um, sets a mm-hmm. great emotional, you know, intimate setting mm-hmm. and it's very safe, right? So you can be vulnerable, you said, and mm-hmm. still find acceptance or understanding and support. What's another way it can be safe, do you think? Well, uh, I think one of the things that let's look at the components of emotional intimacy or emotional safety. Really, we talk about four different components. There being interaction safety, then expectation of longevity, and number three would be affection, and number four, constructive conflict and communication, right? Yeah, right. And so so there are different ways then that safety, you know, come, or, or intimacy comes into play. And, and I think that idea, Lisa, that you, first of all, that first one, it's safe. And so, right. It, an unsafe thing would be when you have these, what, you know, people have called the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, you have these negative patterns of mm-hmm. interacting, that's not safe. So you can define safe and emotionally, you know, intimate, by its negative or its opposite, what's not safe? When do you mm. not feel safe? And I think one of the patterns uh, that we should stand out is if another person expresses you a lot of criticism, mm-hmm. or the, the, you know, the, and and Lisa, what? Let's talk about some of those ideas. Like, so what is criticism? Mm-hmm. Or uh, yeah. Right. So criticism would be um, calling into question someone's character. Yeah. So it's not just that you left a mess in the kitchen, but it's that you're lazy. Yeah. You meant to do that. You just think I'm going to clean up everything you expect me to do all the work. That would be criticism. Yeah. So it's not just a valid complaint, but it's actually calling into question your character. Yeah. And attacking them and blaming them. Right. And so that's criticism. I think the worst one is contempt. Contempt, right? Mm. You know you're not in an emotionally intimate or safe 
place if you feel criticism or, or you, uh, you're attacking or someone else is attacking who you are. But if they're intentionally, you know, being insulting to you, mm. name calling or hostile humor, or what do you think? I mean, contempt yeah. is a bad one. Oh, that's a bad one. And you can, you, what's the physical sign that someone is experiencing the, the emotion of contempt. It's like when they roll their eyes, yeah, right? right? It's like, oh boy, here we go. And look what I have to yep. put up with. Oh yep. gosh. And they just roll their eyes. That's a that's a perfect red flag for contempt. Yeah. So uh, again, we're defining what's emotionally safe and intimate mm-hmm. by and the opposite, right? You feel criticized or you mm-hmm. critic or you're critical or you feel mm-hmm. contempt. Another big one would be uh, that John Gottman, the researcher uh, that coined this phrase, the the uh, four, hor- horsemen. four horsemen of the emotional or relationship apocalypse. Uh, another one is defensiveness. Yeah. Oh, boy, that one can just really eat away. And defensiveness would be um, the the lack of taking responsibility in the relationship for when things are hard, right? Yeah. It's always you blame it on the other person. It's always their fault. Well, mm. I wouldn't have been sharp and snarky if you hadn't forgotten to, to pick up the dry cleaning the way you were supposed to. Yeah. Well, the only reason I'm acting this way is because it's your fault. You started it. Mm-hmm. And so it's that constant deflecting the blame off of yourself, refusing to take any responsibility, and just casting it onto the other person. Lisa, you've you got to get over the fact that I forgot to do that. you got to. You, just <laughs> you always say that. You never take <laughs> yeah, responsibility. It, it, That's another one is always and nevers. Yeah, yeah. making excuses. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes what ends up happening during these kinds of things, too, is a person if, you know, they're feeling these things, they oftentimes just withdraw. You know, they run away. Mm-hmm. Stonewalling, uh, yeah. he calls it. Yeah, you, they... you want to hide. You feel attacked, so you hide behind this stone wall that you build up. And what's a, what's a, a key phrase that somebody might use when they're stonewalling? It would be something like, um, well, okay, whatever. Whatever, just, you know, I don't want to get into this to again. I'm not going to talk about this. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I'm just, you know, forget it. Whatever. Yeah, you're always right. I'm always wrong. Whatever. Yeah. So that phrase, whatever, rolling the eyes, those are dead giveaways that you've got those four horsemen uh, in that relationship. Yeah, I think that's good. I think males maybe struggle a little bit more. I think Gottman, when he did research on this, found that contempt is easily the number one factor that tears people apart um and 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 when you get during a critical moment what ends up happening lisa is there's all of these positive things that are going on um but they people you know they've found even in relationships in which they experience some of this criticism and contempt they missed 50% 50% or almost half of all the positive things that are going on. So they filmed these couples. They counted all the number of positive interactions. But when they asked the one couple that was doing a lot of the criticizing, um, they tended to see the see more negativity. In fact, they missed 50% of the positives. And then they were shown oh, and they're like, that is so interesting. And I think that kind of research shows that emotional intimacy is something that's hard you know, to work at and and find and eventually get and easy to lose. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do to lose this intimacy is show some of these horsemen, mm-hmm. you know, of criticism, contempt, defensiveness and stonewalling. Mm-hmm. And I, I would suggest that if that's an issue that you're struggling with any of these, 
they show up in all relationships. Let's be honest. I mean, everybody will have at times those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean your relationship is busted, broken, and forever doomed. It just means that you don't want it to take root, right? I mean, you Mm -hmm. don't want these things to go deep and start grabbing on, you know, and and holding on to a ledge. And then all of a sudden it just starts to take over. And so to keep these things from going very deep, is one is is really what we're saying it's not that you have it's not the presence of these things everybody at times deals with them right. it's them going too deep and i think a, the, one other aspect that we just mentioned that has to do with this interaction safety is mm. also physical safety oh, yeah. talk about that a little bit chris like what would be some signs of a relationship besides the obvious uh, well maybe we even need to talk about yeah. the obvious yeah. but um, when we talk about physical safety right. Right. Uh, we're talking, well, again, let's cast it in the opposite. When is it not physically safe? Right. Well, when there's any kind of violence or yeah. name calling, yeah. uh, screaming, yeah. hitting, or yeah. even pushing, right. you know, uh, keeping someone from being able to leave, uh, like you're grabbing onto them or you're locking mm-hmm. them, uh, locking them in. Yeah. Another thing would be destroying their private property mm-hmm. is not physically safe. That's a form of physical abuse or threatening to reveal a secret about them or maybe some compromising photos Mm -hmm. that you might have, that's also a situation of a lack of physical safety. Yeah, it's it's lack of physical and emotional safety and it's a form of abuse. And Mm -hmm. I think any time you're in a relationship in which those start, there's only really one word, and that's run, Mm -hmm. get away. To be in a relationship with somebody who shows any form of those kinds of abuse lease. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if it's in a marriage and it just starts to come out, I, I really do think you, you, you know, we have a podcast on this, go listen to it. In fact, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's on this topic of abuse in relationships, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and what to do, how to deal with it. Uh, Tim Mulehoff, you know, uh, actually just has spent a lot of time working on this, Dr. Mm-hmm. Mulehoff. And, and so, so go look at that. So I think, yeah, Lisa, the, the, that could be a breaking of a relationship vows and, you know, this connection with another person. And you just cannot be in a relationship like that. You have to separate out and take it very seriously. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on and let, let's get to uh, the more positive aspects of intima- uh, emotional intimacy, right. emotional safety. Right. And I love this. The, that second one that we mentioned was an expectation of longevity together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, our friends that you just mentioned, uh, Tim and Noreen Yohoff, I just love them uh, because they talk about how whenever they have conflict, they say, you know, we really better figure this out or the next 60 years is going to be really long. Yeah. And I love it when they say that because that is the implied expectation of longevity of a future together. We are in this. We are going to be here in this relationship for a long time. So we better get this worked out. Yeah. And and, and so if you're in a, especially in a marriage relationship, you know, there's that expectation of longevity that there isn't necessarily one if you are in a dating relationship. I mean, you want to have a sense, you know, you talk about a sense of a future together, but you have to be really careful with that, mm-hmm. you know, in any relationship other than that one make you make that vow to because you know like for example even when you get engaged right that's a conditional relationship right Mm -hmm. if if the conditions are good and 
you know, there's no, you know, there's lots of intimacy and safety and no abuse. You can move forward. If there is any of that, mm-hmm. you've not made that vow yet, That's you right. know, and you're not in that relationship. So that idea of a sense of a future together is really reserved a little bit more, I think, for marriages. For marriage. mm-hmm. But in a dating relationship, it's just, or in a friendship, I, I think what we can communicate to our close friends and that deep sense of someone who's what we call a deep close friend is that sense of, hey, wherever you, whatever you go through, I'm here. Mm. You know, people have come alongside, you know, you, I'm sure, listeners in the mm-hmm. past when you've been hurt or things didn't go well, maybe you've been in an accident, maybe you're out of work, maybe whatever. And it's those friends that say, I'm here with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not leaving you. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that idea of a, I'm here for you. Yeah. Do you think in a in a dating relationship, a cautionary tale might be the person who always threatens to break up? Yeah. Well, if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm breaking up. I'm leaving. I'm bailing. I'm out of here. Yeah, I do think. I think it's a cautionary tale because what they're doing is they're basically saying, you know. Manipulating. Yeah, it's a manipulation. You know, you're, you're really on the edge, and so I need you to shape up. And yeah, that, yeah that, that is something you want to be careful and avoid. Mm-hmm. So emotional intimacy, then it begins with there's great interactions, what we call, you know, this idea of, you know, fun, emotional intimacy, avoiding all of the negative chronic things. Then that idea of, you know, there's, I'm always going to be committed, you know, in a way to you as a friend or in mm-hmm. a marriage, this expectation of 60 years, you mm-hmm. know, until we figure it that out. longevity, yeah. Another one, I think, at least that we could talk about is that idea of a relationship that's intimate is really marked by something close to affection. It, uh, it It's close to this idea of, I, I like being with you mm-hmm. right I, I i i have this this we we transfer emotions to each other very interestingly psychologists say with this there's this implicit transfer of affect and what it means is i can tell you uh what i'm feeling and what i'm thinking about you in an affectionate way without even always using words mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean you shouldn't say i love you and care for you you know those are very important but we do feel enjoying each other's company, oftentimes by just that spoken and unspoken affection. What do you think? Mm, that's so true. Like I think an example of the uh, maybe unspoken is when you, is when you make a mistake, the other person doesn't beat you up yeah. about it, right? That is being able to make a mistake without fear of being judged, mm. or just that that sense of mutual understanding and trust in each other, that sympathy and compassion that you feel for one another, or that you just genuinely enjoy each other. Yeah, it's so interesting that those relationships like that you do enjoy, um, remember at least the idea that there are way more positive, upbeat interactions Mm. than there are negative at a certain ratio. Yeah, they call it the ratio of five to one. Yeah, more positive, upbeat interactions for every one negative. You have five in marriages, in relationships, in friendships that are healthy and good. And that that just makes sense, right? I mean, it should be even more than that. In a friendship, there ought to be 5, 10, 15 fun, laughing, enjoying, positive mm-hmm. interactions for every one negative. Right. And if it starts to go below that 5 to 1, especially in marriages, 
you know, Gottman and other researchers have found that pretty soon you you end up in this kind of negative spiral, right. right? So what a practical way to to be proactively building up your relationship, right? Remembering that five to one. So if I have a criticism or a complaint that I need to make, boy, I better really couch, uh, couch it in some compliments mm-hmm. and some affirmations yeah. uh, all around that. Yeah. And so a great way to offer a complaint. Uh, I love this. Our friend uh, that also works on staff with us at the Center for Marriage and Relationships, her name is Willa Williams. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she says you just uh, you, you form it in the way of a sandwich, right? The sandwich has two pieces of bread with the meat in the middle. So what you do with a, with a complaint that you need to make or something that you're unhappy with, you, you sandwich it between two positives. So like... Um, Chris, I really appreciate the way you uh, the way you you help around the house. You're you're quick to to go help put laundry in the in the washing machine and get that started. Um, and I you think- know what? We just run out of time. Uh, I mean, it, no, I mean, we're, hey, uh, we're out of time. I've got so, the rest of my sandwich well, i got to build here. let's do the top part. And let, what's the bottom sandwich part? Okay, well, the meat of that, then the valid complaint would be, might be. But you know what? I really prefer that you don't dry my clothes because when you throw them in the dryer, they actually shrink. And then I can't wear them anymore. Mm-hmm. But thank you again for being the kind of husband that's even willing to do laundry. I really appreciate that. So thank you so much. Uh, but, but you Yes, yes, thank you. That 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 was I I hear you and and that's a great way to do this. I you know, we do have you know, young children that are around us that could wear those clothes now. I mean, it, there's it's not a complete <laughs> yeah. total loss. So. Yeah, it became a new crop top, right? No. <laughs> but How it, messed up is when that? When I think of those fun interactions, just the enjoyment of each yeah. other's company that's part of this type of affection. I think about a situation last summer where we were sitting out on our back porch and just enjoying the summer weather. It was in the middle of COVID, so we're working at home. But we were both sitting out on the back porch reading and all of a sudden, in the, in the in the quiet of the afternoon, you said you looked over the top of your book at me, and you said, "Hey, Lise," and I said, "What?" And you go, "I'm glad I married you, kid." <laughs> yeah. And I guess I kind of started laughing. I was like, "Oh, wow! Well, thanks, buddy. I, I, you know, I'm glad I married you too." And then a couple more minutes went by, and you looked over your book. You said, "Hey, Lise," I said, "What?" He goes. I'm glad I married you, kid. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, I'm glad I married you too, Chris. Thank you. I love you too. And I'm not kidding. Five minutes later, a third time, hey, Lise, I'm glad I married you, kid. And I just started laughing because it was just so ridiculous. It was so silly. But the sweet part of that was that it was more than the words that you were Mm -hmm. saying, but what you implied was, I like you. I don't Mm -hmm. just love you, but I like you. I like being with you. And you're the person I would want to hang out with the most. Mm -hmm. And so I frequently try to tell you that and actually verbalize that and say, you know what, I'd rather hang out with you than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so it's the actual verbalization of that, but also the unspoken that can be part of that, that, that uh, third point of affection. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think too, Lisa, some studies that they did with, affection but uh, it's almost like you're in sync with each other right it's like you you are on the same page um i love that when they had uh people that were in pain 
um, and, and doctors, you know, um, were able to, they were monitoring their, their breathing and their heart rate and their brainwave patterns because maybe they were in the hospital in pain. That the more empathy that the partner showed to them, uh, the more their brain waves fell in sync. And what's interesting about that is that they found, okay, so ready? So uh, you have a partner, a friend, somebody there that's in pain. As they're watching their heart rates or their brainwave patterns or even their breathing, what happens is holding the hands of a loved one can actually synchronize your breathing. Wow. It's synchronized heart rates and even brainwave patterns start to sync up. And so the more empathy Mm -hmm. that they felt for another person in pain, the more their brainwaves fell in sync. And here's the kicker, ready? There was a a cool finding that increased brain synchronization is associated with less pain. It's Mm -hmm. as if when I'm in sync Mm -hmm. with you and I feel empathy with you and you hold my hand, your brainwave patterns start to get in sync with mine. And that, for some reason, causes less pain. It's almost as if I'm sharing. Now, it's not like the pain is going anywhere. It's as if, though, the feeling of being heard, understood, empathized with and loved decreases pain. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? That's fascinating oh it's such a cool study i love love psychology stuff but anyway at least so let's talk about number four maybe some other ideas of what's an Mm -hmm. emotionally intimate safe environment well we said the fourth point would be uh that you are able to have constructive conflict and communication and being able to approach conflict in a way that you see it as an opportunity for growth and not just uh, necessarily a negative thing, Mm -hmm. I think is super important. Yeah. So to be able to have constructive, you know, conflict and do it in a good way, it reminds me of James 119, right? Mm. Be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. And what a great way to be able to do something. So we talked about this on a previous podcast. Go back and listen to that if you want. It's on that idea of what are, you know, when we talk about emotions 2.0, what are those and how do I identify them? And that's going deeper, right? I mean, we can argue about, you know, me shrinking clothes all the time <laughs> or, you know, but there's something more that's deeper and you identified yeah. the positive. Hey, you're helping but this negative makes me feel like maybe since you've done it 14 times now that maybe you're not hearing me, mm-hmm. even though I haven't done it 14 times. It's still enough to say, yeah, there's something going on deeper here. And if, and if it were to go that long, which it hasn't, but if it did, you would think, well, what's going on? I don't feel heard. I, right. you know, I keep talking about this and, and that's mm-hmm. a deeper issue. So now it's not about the laundry, right? You know, it's not about the house being cleaned. It's about this deeper issue of not feeling heard or understood. And I think for relationships, we have to go a little bit deeper. What do you think? And learning to identify those, that's a different podcast that we did. Go check that one out on Emotions 2.0. Yeah, that was really great. Uh, And and an aspect of this is being able to just treat each other with respect, to, to be able to speak openly with each other about your thoughts and your feelings feelings, the positive, as well as the negative, mm-hmm. to be able to express your wishes, your hopes, your desires, and and not criticize each other, not correct each other all the time, um, to celebrate each other's accomplishements and successes. Yeah, and That's Lisa, really important. Yeah, and this is where you're really good at this, man. I, I think there are, I, I can tell you at least 10 people 
who love and have told me they love telling you good news because you're always so excited about them. <laughs> and yeah, and they say things like, oh, I got a raise. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Or yeah, you know, I got a phone call back or a text from that boy. I were like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you. That's so exciting. <laughs> People love telling you things, at least I think, because you do so good at celebrating their accomplishments and successes. And that mm. that's setting up a very emotionally healthy boundary and emotional intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Chris, let me ask you this it's really easy for us to sit here you know in a clinical setting in the studio and just and talk about oh hey when something bothers you just share your emotions how you're feeling about it or if you know if your partner or someone else shares something that you've done that that has hurt their feelings you know you just want to paraphrase it back to them well gosh that can be really hard when you're in the heat of the moment when you're in the heat of that conflict how do you how how do you have the wherewithal to be able to be a good listener mm-hmm. when all you want to do is say defend yourself and mm-hmm. say that's not true you're misinterpreting that that's not what i said at all where do you get the um, the emotional wherewithal and self control when you uh when you yeah. feel like you've been misjudged when your kids have disobeyed you for the upteenth time, when uh, when your toddler, you've been with your toddler all day long, yeah. and they're just having a meltdown in the grocery store, how do you? Where do you get that inner strength to be able to do all of this? Yeah, um, I you know I think for listeners out there that are busy, tired, overwhelmed, stressed, you know, and uh, I, I think what ends up happening is you really do need to start in prayer. You, you start mm. with a pause. You take some time away. You know, even if it's fifteen, twenty minutes, even if it's an hour, and. And then just kind of, you know, talk to the Lord about this and share your anxious thoughts with him. And, mm-hmm. you know, sh- even as the psalmist, you know, we talk about Psalm 139 so often, but have God search you and what's really going on here? I'm feeling this or feeling that. And I think once you identify some of the, you know, things going on in your heart and you can change the offensive way in you. I think what ends up happening is you start to see things maybe from a different perspective, but especially at least you calm down a little bit your heart and you, and you are able to start to hold down those emotions. Like we talked about in one podcast, the idea of the amygdala, when we label our emotions, you know, they, they calm, they, 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 they move to the frontal cortex a little bit. And so that deep, you know, need to express this anger and this hate and this mm-hmm. hurt or this dis- disappointment. Or well, to forgive. Yeah. And then yeah. another one is at that point, we can begin to learn what does it mean to not just calm my heart, check out any offensive ways in ourselves. And then I, I think in that process, we, we learn to how do I, you know, treat another with respect and mm-hmm. kindness, call out, like you said, use the sandwich approach and, and then, and then learning what it means to be forgiving and, yeah. and, and because we've been so greatly forgiven ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. It makes me think of Paul when, uh, I think it was in second Corinthians when he's talking about, you know, that, uh, where, when he's saying the things 
I or maybe it's Romans. I'm sorry, I don't have the the reference scriptural reference off the top of my head. But when when Paul was saying the things I want to do, I don't do, yeah. and the things I don't want to do, I do. Yeah. Oh, wretched man that I am! Yeah. And how many times have we been in that in that state of mind in our relationships? Things that we know we should be doing, we just don't, or uh, it's like we just can't muster up the will to do it. Like when you're hurt and you're angry, you not only don't want to forgive, you don't want to want to forgive. Yeah. You know, you don't want to ask the Lord to give you, to help you be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, right? Because yeah. I am just hot right now. I am just ticked. I am upset. And I, I just don't even want to ask the Lord to help me do yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I... I love, I have three scriptures that are go-to for me in this situation. The first one is Romans 8, 6, and Mm -hmm. it says this, if the flesh controls your mind, it leads to death. Mm -hmm. And think of that in terms of your relationship. If the flesh controls your mind, it's going to lead to relational death. Mm -hmm. However, if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, it leads to life and peace. Mm -hmm. Think of how that is implied and attributes to your relationship. So the first thing we need to do, I need to pause and ask the Holy Spirit to take control of my mind and my thoughts and my emotions. Just, Lord, take control of them because I am not in a good frame of mind right now. The second one is Philippians 2.13. It says this, it says, for God is at work in you giving you the desire to do his will and the power to do what pleases him. So if it's his will that I treat, let's say uh, from Ephesians, um, what is it? Ephesians 4, uh, 31, that it says that we're to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Well, if that's his will, and he's going to actually give me the desire for that will to be tenderhearted, to Mm. be forgiving, to be understanding, to be long-suffering and compassionate. Mm -hmm. And then he does the work in me to give me the power to do it. Mm. And then that's where the third scripture of 2 Corinthians 12.10 comes in, where Paul says, it's in my weakness that Christ is made strong. It's when I'm able to know that I can't do this healthy relationship on my own. I don't have the wherewithal. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the ability to do it, Lord. But Christ living in me gives me the strength and the ability to do it. He does it for me. He does it in me, through me, and for me. And the beautiful thing is God delights for us to come and be able to say, I cannot do this. I cannot be the wife that Chris needs me to be, Lord. I need you to help me. I cannot be the mother that Drew and Natalie and Caroline need for me to be. I can't be the friend that my friend needs me to be. But you can. You can do it in me and through me and for me. So I just want to give you control of my mind, my heart, and I am thanking you and trusting you that you will give me the desire and the ability to be what you've called me to be, really, to, to just really be able to live up and live out, the, the be worthy of the calling for which you were called. He does it. Man, that's really good. I, those are, that's just really powerful, Lise, and so cool. I, I just have to say, you know, you just have such a 
a great way of scripture, but but really what you do, I can sense is you just have an amazing husband. I mean, I mean the relationship you must have with him and, and just that man, I'm just telling you, just listen. So easy to live with. Oh, good night. I mean, I think everybody out there is like, oh, I want that. How come I, how can she get so lucky? And I just don't know why you're so lucky in that, but man, you are. You know. I, I, God is good. That's all I can say. <laughs> God, is, God good. is good. God helps me go through all kinds of hard things. Well, at least that's very interesting, very powerful, and very helpful and practical. So, all the things that we want, we want, we want to talk about, you know, the, the deep psychology, emotional issues related to relationships. How do you have intimacy? The, the biblical truths that you've just mm-hmm. shared and that we shared throughout, and then just some practical ways we go about doing that. So, man, that's go our, practice those five one that's positive it, to negative right that's right you did a great yeah. job on this podcast i love your outfit today by the way and the way you speak is so awesome your command of scripture it is really awesome and we're out of time man i'm glad i married you kid glad i married you kid <laughs> okay talk to you guys later bye thanks for listening to the art of relationships this podcast is only made possible through generous donations from listeners just like you if you like it and want to help keep the podcast going Visit our website at cmr.biola.edu and make a donation today.